0: Shalom, everyone, and welcome to our program. I'm Monty Judah with Lionel Land Ministries. We're in a teaching program right now about the fall feast. In the previous episodes, I've shared with you about Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets. We've talked about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And I've already done one program to introduce to you the Feast of Tabernacles. But we're having a second program about the Feast of Tabernacles because we have more to share with you. I want to take you kind of obliquely for the moment to some stories that took place in the Gospels, which kind of explain and set the stage. Some of this I hinted at and spoke to in our last program. But again, we're talking about the observance of the Feast of Tabernacles. This feast that's in the fall, it's the last one according to Leviticus 23 order. It's about the children of Israel being called to come to the temple for essentially eight days and they waved branches before the Lord. The the command is to rejoice before the Lord, to remember how our ancestors lived in huts and temporary shelters when they were on the journey from Egypt to the promised land, the journey through the wilderness, and about how they would have this celebration in the temple and the tremendous number of sacrifices, in fact, The Feast of Tabernacles had the greatest number of sacrifices of any of the feasts because there was a huge barbecue, if you will, that was for all the people who would come to the Feast of Ingathering, that you would eat some of the food that had come from the table of the Lord, come from the altar to join in the participation of the Feast of the Lord. It was a great celebration. People were camped out, had their little sukkahs, set up, and they were eating food that had come from the altar, and everybody was rejoicing and had a wonderful time. Well, they had these lights up that were built up into the temple, and there's tremendous significance about the Messiah with regard to this. In the last episodes, for example, I shared with you how the prophet Zechariah has prophesied the end of the age comes with the great tribulation, it comes with the day of the Lord, And immediately thereafter, they observed the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, that's the exact sequence of what we learned, what Trumpets is about, resurrection, that atonement is about the day of the Lord, and Tabernacles is about being in the kingdom. The Lord dwells with us in the kingdom, and we're, we're there with him as well. So with that said, as a reminder of what we shared earlier, let me take you at this point to John chapter 12. And in John chapter 12, Yeshua is getting ready to go up to Jerusalem. It says here, John chapter 12, verse 12, And on the next day the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus, Yeshua, was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And in Hebrew, they said, Baruch haba Bashim Adonai. Now, let me just stop for a moment and say there's something incredible taking place. If you viewed my last episode, one of the things I showed you is because they hear that Yeshua is coming to Jerusalem at the feast, they're thinking he's going to establish the kingdom at that point. And one of the things they already understood was the Feast of Tabernacles is going to be the feast when the kingdom is established. Now, they didn't understand the day of the Lord. They didn't understand the resurrection that had to take place. In fact, were a lot of Jews in that day that didn't believe in the resurrection. They just thought it was this is this great celebration. He's going to become king. We're going to call him king, and in fact, that's what they're doing. They're saying, "God save us! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." And there's a prophecy that says, "You will not see me until you say those words." So they're doing all of this. Baruch, Abba, Shem, Adonai. We're celebrating. They're gathering the branches, and then it says this. This is kind of interesting. John chapter 12 verse 14. Yeshua finding a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. That's a prophecy. That's a prophecy about the Messiah coming to Jerusalem. Actually, there's two prophecies about the Messiah coming to Jerusalem. There's one prophecy that says he comes on a colt, a donkey a colt, And there's another one that says he comes on a white horse. And on the white horse, he has a sword that's coming out of his mouth, and he slays his enemy. The one on the white horse has to do with the day of the Lord. The one on the cold is the one about coming to do the work of redemption. He comes like a lamb, not like a warrior. He comes as soft and comforting, and he's a sacrifice that gives no complaint. Verse 16, these things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Yeshua was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, that they had done these things to him. You know, the average believer, when we read the Bible, read the Gospels, we view that when Yeshua got started and a few disciples started coming in, why they're all believing in the Messiah. They believe in Yeshua and they're all trudging around with him and they're all convinced and they're trying to convince other people that he's the Messiah. That is not true. Those guys that were walking around with Yeshua, the disciples, they were still trying to sort this out. And there was a lot of things that Yeshua said that didn't make any sense to him whatsoever. There's a lot of things that were going on, miracles that were taking place, prophecies being fulfilled. It wasn't registering with them. And here's John recounting this. He said, these things his disciples did not understand at first. But when Yeshua was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written. After the resurrection, they're starting to get it. It took his death, burial, and resurrection for them to suddenly understand what in the world has been going on. They've been walking around with the Messiah. You know, there's a lot of us, and I just say this, there's a lot of us walking around, we claim to be following Yeshua. We, you know, we're no different than those disciples. There's a lot of people walking around with us, the brethren. They've heard things they don't understand. They've heard Yeshua talk about things they still don't get it. They don't understand what he's saying. And as a result, they've they since everybody's saying, well, we're all believers, but the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people that aren't. They don't believe in him yet. I'll tell you when the sign comes that you're really believing in what the Messiah, who the Messiah is. It's when you start doing what he said. When you start obeying his commandment, when you start paying attention to what he said, and you do that, that's when you become a real believer. We can see the evidence. The Apostle James said, you say that you believe in him let me see your words let me see what you do let me give you how i say it to the brethren don't tell me who you believe in show me which commandments you keep i'll tell you who you really believe in. now if you don't keep any commandments at all then you don't believe in anybody i don't care what your lips are saying i don't care if you've got hundreds and thousands of people standing with you and you all together say we believe in jesus Let me see what you do. For example, Yeshua said he was the Lord of the Sabbath, that he's the creator. And back in creation, he created the Sabbath for mankind. Do you recognize him as the creator? Do you keep the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments that Yeshua was at Mount Sinai and gave to us? And he said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. If you believe he's your Lord, what do you do with Sabbath? I know a lot of people who say they believe in Jesus, but they don't do the Sabbath. I'm not your judge. You don't have to worry about me. But I think there's a day coming when Yeshua is going to ask you in that particular situation and say, why didn't you keep my Sabbath? I'm not sure what your answer is going to be, but some of you might feign an answer. Well, our church brethren, our church fathers told us that we were going to observe the resurrection, not the Sabbath, because that Sabbath, you know, that's Jewish. I would remind you that Sabbath is not Jewish. Sabbath was instituted by God at the creation before there was Abraham, before there was anybody. And he simply told us in the Ten Commandments, Remember to keep the Sabbath because it already existed. It's not exclusive to the Jewish people or Israel. It was given to all of mankind to recognize the Creator, and Yeshua said, He's the Lord of that day. He's saying, He's the Lord that created all things. You're going to have to give an answer to the Creator as to why you would not follow a commandment that he gave for all of mankind and was reiterated in the commandments that were given to Israel for all people, the Torah, and who, when he came speaking to the disciples, where he said, if you love me, keep my commandments." Now, we think the disciples, for the most part, were keeping Sabbath. They didn't seem to be opposed to it. That was their custom and so forth. But that's just one commandment. How many other commandments were Peter and the others not keeping? And when Yeshua came and he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What are the commandments were they considered? There was no New Testament, by the way, written at that point. So this business of, well, we're talking about the commandments of Christ. That is not correct. The commandments he was referring to were the ones that came through Moses and the teaching of the Torah. That's how God chose to do it. You know why he did that? because we told God to do that. We heard God speak from the mountain and speak his commandments, and it was a frightening experience. And we said, hey, 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 wait a minute. Don't don't talk to us like that again. Let's send somebody up. How about Moses? Moses, you go up, you talk to God. Whatever God tells you, you bring it back down here, and we'll do whatever he says. God agreed to that deal. We agreed to that deal. Now, you didn't personally agree to that But our ancestors did, and that's the deal we have with God. And that's the deal that Yeshua was referring to. If you love me, keep my commandments. So here we are considering the feasts of the Lord. We're talking about keep. These are commandments. From Passover to tabernacles, and in particular, we're talking about the fall feasts. They are commandments of the Lord. They're appointed times that God has made an appointment with us. I want you to assemble, and I want you to do the following things with me. Now, if God is real important to you, then you would pay attention to that. But as you know, as messianics, we're beginning to learn about those things and beginning to keep them, but many of us previously, and myself as included, Growing up in the church, I never heard about any of this. Nobody ever taught me there were commandments. Nobody ever showed me how to keep the feast of the Lord, and I definitely didn't keep Sabbath. I was a Sunday to go to meet guy. And many of us are in that same situation, scattered in the nations, separated from God, not following the instructions. We don't have teachers that teach Moses. We don't have teachers that teach us the commandments. Instead, we play at our religion and sing to Jesus. We've missed it. We've missed what God said. Part of coming back and observing the feast, we suddenly get our eyes open to a whole bunch of things. Now, having not understood, even the disciples didn't understand all that was taking place when the Messiah came, they did learn about it afterwards. And so what we have recorded in the Gospels is even how they learned about some of this stuff as well. I want to take you to John chapter 7 and verse 37. I shared with you in the last episode about how the disciples were afraid to go with Yeshua up to Jerusalem, up to the feast, because he was being wanted and they thought he'd be arrested. And oh my gosh, if we go with him, we'll be arrested. And Yeshua said, it's okay. I know you don't believe me. I'll tell you what, though. Why don't you go ahead and go to the feast? Nobody's going to arrest you. You know, they don't know you're connected with me. Why don't you go up and enjoy the feast, and I'll stay here. My time is not yet. So they did, and they left Yeshua. But look at verse 37 as to what it says in chapter 7. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Yeshua stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Wait a minute. What, What happened? Well, the disciples went, but they didn't go with Yeshua. And then Yeshua, privately, came into Jerusalem. He goes up to the Feast of Tabernacles on the eighth day, the great day of the feast. You know, the day when all the leaders come in, they're on the ramparts. They're there to see that water libation ceremony. Remember where the priest would come with the silver pitcher with water and join with the priest with the gold pitcher. They would pour in the funnels and the streaming of water and wine would come down the side of the altar. It was very, very significant ritual that they did in the temple that the priests had established. About how the waters of salvation will bring the outpouring of the spirit, and it's how God's going to save us, and it's all wonderful and great. And they do this ritual, and so they're there in the midst of it, and while they're pouring. The wine and the water, it's trickling down the side of the altar. Normally, everybody would be quiet. They're watching this event. Guess what he does? He stands up and screams out, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, Whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Yeshua was not yet glorified. That's a let's unpack that a little bit. He's crying out in the midst of this ceremony that's taking place in the temple, and all of a sudden, he's the only voice that's heard. And not only are the people shocked, unbelievably. John is trying to give us a quick commentary of what's taking place. That at this point, when he says these words, he's speaking by the Spirit of God, but the Spirit has not yet been given. In other words, they see the ceremony of when the Spirit to be given, but that's a symbol. The Spirit has not yet been given, and as a result, because Yeshua has not yet been glorified. Namely, he's not been slain yet. And he's not gone to his father to be glorified to come back and tell us about the resurrection and all that. Wow. This is a very significant event. Let me go ahead and just tell you kind of what happened in the temple. There was a whole group of people. All of a sudden they cried out and said, Surely this man is the prophet, for no man would say these words unless he was that person. Now, you don't know about this very much, but back in Deuteronomy 18, there's actually two prophecies about two guys that are supposed to come. One of them is a prophet that will be like Moses, and there's another one that's supposed to be a prophet like me, God. That's a prophecy about the Messiah. The one who comes like the Messiah, that one. But the other one who comes like Moses, it's not Moses again. It's a prophet like Moses. So there's two people that are looking for that comes from that prophecy. the New Testament echoes this multiple times. This is one of those places. They say, surely this is the Messiah. Others began to argue. No, 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 he can't be that. Surely this man is the Messiah. For no man would say these words except he be the Messiah. Why would they feel that? Why would they think that? Because we're talking about the pierced one bringing the waters of salvation. And by the way, what's the name of the waters of salvation? Yeshua. Who's the guy crying out in the willows? Yeshua. You know, the guy that is named after the water. The outpouring is taking place. That because of the blood, the wine, the redemption, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes forth. It's like what John said in chapter 12 and verse 16. These things his disciples did not understand at first, but when he was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, that they had done these things to him. It was afterwards they said, wait a minute, here's the connection. Let me take you to the moment that they took Yeshua out and crucified him. John's going to share something else with us. In chapter 19 and verse 31, it says this. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. We're talking about the the first day of the Feast of unleavened Bread. It's a high Sabbath. They asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. In other words, let's kill them quickly. We don't want them to go into the evening time and into the next day. Let's break their legs, let them die, because when you break your legs, you can't hold yourself up and you suffocate when you're being crucified. So the soldiers came, they broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Yeshua, they saw he was already dead. So they don't need to break his leg. So they did not break leg. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And here's what it says: And immediately blood and water came out. There was a stream of blood and there was a stream of water. John, in recording this, makes the following thing. I am a witness. I saw the blood and the water come forth. I now know he was the fulfillment. He is the Messiah who comes forth to bring us redemption, the blood and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God will be given to all of us. That temple ceremony that was done at the Feast of Tabernacles, it was a foreshadowing. It was a picture. It was a teaching for all of Israel to understand that when the Messiah comes to do this, did the disciples understand when they were doing the ceremony? No. Did the priests fully understand what was going on and what that really meant? No. They had figured out that they were going to do this ceremony. It was a very special ceremony. Everybody was paying attention to it. Did they understand how it was going to apply to the Messiah? The answer is no, they did not not until after Yeshua died. And John is starting to get it when he sees the resurrection. He sees the water and the blood come streaming forth, which was that ceremony of pouring out those two pictures into the funnel and it coming down the side of the altar. It was offered before the lord verse 35 and he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true and he knows he's telling the truth so that you also may believe john is personally testifying i saw the blood i saw the water. my testimony is true i am telling you that that thing they demonstrated at the feast of tabernacles in jerusalem He is that Messiah. That's a pretty direct testimony. And by the way, the observance of the Feast of Tabernacles is also supposed to help us to understand his testimony is true, and we will have the same testimony so that, as it says, so that you may also believe. You do realize that if you never keep the Feast of Tabernacles, you never learn about it, you won't know anything about it. But if you do start keeping the peace of the Lord, you're going to learn a whole bunch of things about the Messiah that maybe you didn't realize that this is what the Messiah came, and he did those things, and he was following not only the prophecies that been given by Moses the prophet, he was actually fulfilling these ceremonies that were taking place in the temple that were high things, now John goes on to conclude more importantly how Yeshua is fulfilling certain things on the cross. In John chapter nine verse thirty-six, he says, "For these things came to pass to fulfill the Scripture, not a bone of him shall be broken." That's a prophecy. And again, another scripture says, "They will look upon him whom they pierced." That's from Zechariah chapter ten. They will look upon him whom they fear. Let me tell you something interesting about that verse. In the Hebrew, when you read it, there's no Hebrew word that says him or whom. If you were to read that directly in the Hebrew, it says, they will look upon Aleph Tav, they fear. It's just two little letters, just one little word. They will look upon et, they fear. The Aleph Tav, the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet, is what Yeshua was making reference to in Revelation chapter 1, when he saw John again, and he said, I'm the olive and top. I'm the first and the last. I'm the author and finisher of your faith. I'm the one that was pierced that you looked at. That's another picture of the Messiah, the olive and top. That's another picture of how the Messiah fit into it. And here's John. He's getting it. He's piecing the prophecies together. He's remembering the ceremony in the temple. He's suddenly realizing that at the crucifixion, Yeshua is fulfilling all kinds of prophecies. He truly is the redemption. He truly is the lamb sacrificed. He's fulfilling all of these things. In fact, at Yeshua's arrest and his crucifixion, a tremendous number of prophecies about the messiah were fulfilled. when you gather this information in when you begin to keep the feasts begin to keep the sabbath when you begin to do what the lord said to do you begin to see god like you've never seen it before you begin to see and understand what the messiah really came and did you understand the plan of god the plan of the messiah is to come to time. first to do the work of redemption passover unleavened bread and feast of first fruit then the outpouring of the holy spirit is at shavua feast of week that was the day of pentecost and his second coming is pictured with yom teruah trumpet with atonement the, the day of the lord and tabernacles rejoicing in the kingdom all of this has been completed. That's the reason why we're coming and doing this series for you on the Fall Feast. The Fall Feasts are telling us about the coming of the Messiah, how he's going to come in our day. By us understanding and observing these feasts, by literally hearing what he said and doing what he said, we're given spiritual eyes to see things, understand things that are given here that Yeshua spoke about, the disciples talked about, so that we, Read for this. Instead of just guys observing things, we become believers. We believe it. We've done it. We've been a part of it. And we continue to be a part of it. Let me tell you what John did at the conclusion of his ministry. He wrote a letter, and actually a couple of letters, And he's the guy that wrote this incredible gospel. He's the guy that was at the base of the cross. He was the guy that was right there with John the Baptist to begin with. He was the guy that reported for us how Yeshua's ministry, and he was called the beloved disciple. He was the one that was laying up against Yeshua at the Passover and that the the Messiah revealed to him who was going to betray him. And so he had a very special believing relationship with the Messiah. It's very clear. From the evidence. In fact, he probably was one of the first disciples that really believed that Yeshua was the Messiah. He's the one that emphatically teaches us, trying to encourage us to believe that he really is the Messiah and we should do what he said. In his uh, first letter that he wrote after he did his gospel, in 1 John 5 7, I want to read to you a teaching that he gives to us. And this, again, is born out of the experience of the Feast of Tabernacles with the Messiah. He says in 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he testified, concerning his son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Three things the Spirit, water, and the blood. He says those are three things from God that testify to who the Son of God is. That ceremony that they did the water libation ceremony in the Feast of Tabernacles, that was giving us evidence of testifying who the Messiah was, who he would be, and what he would do. And somehow or other, the Messiah would come forth, he would be sacrificed, his blood would be poured out for our redemption, and as a result, the water would be poured out and we would receive the gift of eternal life. See, that's exactly what John says at the conclusion of his gospel. I have written these things that you might believe that Yeshua of Nazareth is the Messiah and that you have eternal life. I don't know if you have ever had this observation shared with you, but the book of John is very fascinating on this point. Everywhere that John records for us in a gospel about one of the proofs, that Yeshua really is the Messiah. He's really the Son of God. Every time he does that, he mentions to you where the water is at. And there's water associated with every one of these times. He does. it. It begins with as simple as when Yeshua first comes out, he's at the River Jordan being baptized by John the Baptist. The very crossing point of the children of Israel when they entered the land with Joshua. When you hear him go up to the wedding at Cana and give the first sign, he's turning water into water. Then he goes up to the Sea of Galilee, up to Capernaum, and does a lot of his work. He goes to Bethsaida. That was where water was at. He goes over to Caesarea, to the Mediterranean, where there's water at. He goes down to Jerusalem. When he's in Jerusalem, he goes to the Pool of Siloam. He goes to the Pool of Bethesda. He goes to all these places where there's water in. When he's at his trial, we have Pilate washing his hands with water. In other words, there's water evidence everywhere we go about this. And the final water evidence we have is we have water that comes out of his body when he's crucified. These are very powerful things that testify to us to who the Messiah is and how he God planned this, God worked this out. I'm coming to you in this program teaching you about the feast. Let me just tell you that the Feast of Tabernacles, and I used two episodes to share this with you, is incredibly powerful about not only understanding what Yeshua has done and proving that He's the Messiah, but are you ready for this? I'm now going to tell you something that is incredible that's going to happen to you and I. You see, there's a prophecy about the Feast of Heaven. The prophecy says this. Moses prophesies of it. The other prophets talk about it. The Messiah talked about it. The Book of Revelation talked about it. It says, we're going to have this event called the Great Tribulation. It's going to be the sign of the end of the age. That we're going to have this abomination of desolation thing. The altar is going to get shut down. And suddenly, the world is going to go into a time of distress the world has never seen. God, in the book of Revelation, says these judgments, incredible judgments, are going to be poured out against the gods of the world. The world is going to go into upheaval, financial collapse, wars, rumors, all kinds of wars, disease, famine, all kinds of people dying. A time of distress that the world has never seen before. Well, you got to ask yourself a question here. Let's see, we're on the world. This thing's going to happen to the world, the whole world. There's no city for you to escape to. There's no country that you can go to and avoid this. And oh, by the way, you don't have a private spaceship so you can leave the planet and go to another planet. You're stuck here with me and all of us. And we're here, and this is the world that God says is going to take place. And He says it's a time of distress as the world has never seen before. By the way, if you just step back and look at our present time that we're living at right now, things are pretty stressful. And it's not looking good for the future. And no matter what area of the world you think about, it's not looking good. We can sense something's coming. That's what Yeshua was talking about when He talked about the beginning of sorrows leading up to the tribulation. So let me ask you the question, how in the world are we going to make it through that? And let's go ahead and just dismiss that nonsense about you're getting raptured out of here. That's not true. The prophecy does not say. The prophecy says the rapture, those who are alive, they're caught up there with the resurrection. And the first resurrection, according to Revelation 20, verse 5, includes the tribulation saints. So we're going to be going through this tribulation, this three-and-a-half-year period, and it's not good, guys. So what are we going to do? Well, let me tell you something interesting. God has promised to deliver us. He has said that if we'll escape with him, that we'll survive and we'll endure it, and we will see the coming of the Lord, and we'll be called tribulation saints. And along with us, there's going to be two witnesses that God will send that will pronounce judgments on the world, just like Moses and Aaron pronounced judgments on Egypt. And then we're going to have 144,000. They'll be sealed. They make it all the way through. They're there for our protection. They will help guide us and so forth throughout the world. And there's going to be this incredible, great deliverance in which the prophets say that when we use the word Exodus, we're not referring to the exodus out of Egypt. Instead, we're going to be referring to an exodus that came from all the nations of the world at the same time. You know who the guys are that are going to be on that exodus? They're the ones that practice tabernacles. You see, we learned how to set up a sukkah and build a shelter for our families. We learned how to go out away from our homes Get out of the city, go out, get in a sukkah, provide a shelter for ourselves so that we could be with the Lord. And we're not in the city and we're not where our houses are anymore. And while we've learned what our ancestors did, we've actually prepared ourselves for the future. We've actually learned how to get out of our houses and go out, join other brethren, and become the camp of the righteous. And by the way, that's what the prophecy says we're going to do. That's how God will deliver us. He will deliver us while we're in tents. He will keep disease away from us. He will provide manna for us. He will lead us to springs of water to drink. He will defend us from the threats and dangers that will be going on in the world. But the one thing he said he would not supply to us, was a sukkah? He said, "That's our responsibility." You know, if you'll just obey the Lord and keep the feast of tabernacles and get your sukkah set up for the feast, you have practiced for everything there is that you need to do to go through the great tribulation, make it that three and a half years, and see the coming of the Lord. Now that's amazing. You know, it's only in this last generation that the idea of keeping tabernacles has come about again. Since Israel came back as a the nation, well, there's been an awareness of about God working with Israel again. We have these messianics that have come along. They've left Orthodox Christianity. They turn back to Moses. They're learning about these commandments. And lo and behold, some of the commandments we are learning about are the feasts of the Lord. They love the Messiah. They want to obey his commandments. So they're stoked. How do we do this? Well, we're scattered in the nation. We don't have the temple like we had before. They can't set it up for us. We got to figure out how to do this. So we've decided to start practicing. We've started to, well, I can't go to the temple, but at least I can get out of my house and I can set up a sukkah and I can wave branches the Lord, rejoice before the Lord, have a wonderful time before the Lord with all my brethren. And by the way, you just completed the training program for how the tribulation saints will be delivered in the great tribulation. And, by the way, the commandment of tabernacles is is bring everybody. Bring the young, bring the old, bring everybody. God's going to deliver everybody. He's going to deliver us from every nation in the world where we're scattered. But I'm telling you, the people that are going to be delivered, the tribulation saints, are going. the scripture is very emphatic about this. These are the people that have a testimony that believe that Yeshua of Nazareth is the Messiah. And they have a testimony of keeping his commandments. Keeping his commandments. Some of those are keeping the fall feast. In particular, the feast of Tabernacles. Now, I have come to you in the hope and the prayer that this will encourage you to start keeping the fall feasts. In fact, we're broadcasting these programs during this season when the fall feasts are taking place. I hope and pray that you have found an assembly where you're with other brethren to begin to keep these feasts, become aware of them. And they're not hard to keep. They're easy. And as you step forward, trusting the Lord to obey and what he says, His spirit is going to reveal more things to you and show you how it applies, how it works for you. And by the way, this is part of your messianic faith, your faith in the Messiah. This is not just a bunch of Jewish feasts. These are feasts that God commanded to give to the children of Israel, the Hebrew people, and it included the native born, the alien, the sojourner, It included all people who want to trust in the God of Israel and the Son of God that was sent by his Father. It's very clear that Yeshua was very actively involved in these feasts as he came to do the work, and he gave us all the clues about how he fulfilled the spring feast and how he's coming to fulfill the fall feast. So I want to encourage you as we come to the turn of the year, that's what we call the cycle of we come to tabernacles. And I want to remind you about something else. The last thing I want to share with you about tabernacles is our observance here, we don't get to do the water libation service. We're not in the temple. But there's something else that we do do while we're scattered out in the nation, and it's called Simcha Torah. And on the eighth day of the feast, we take the Torah scroll out. We take the teaching of Moses. And we rejoice with it. We dance with the scroll. It's a very festive moment where we're trying to do with our hearts what we can't do because we're not physically in the land and we're waiting on the Lord to gather us up and take us back to the promised land. And this is a wonderful event that takes place. And part of it has to do with the final commandment that Moses gave us in the Torah. I mean, what would you like to know what was the final thing that Moses wanted to tell us to do and remind us to do in the Torah? I mean, he, he, this is his last opportunity to help you and me to get ready for all the events that are taking place. So let me read to you the last thing that Moses had to say about all of this. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 9, it says, so Moses wrote this law Gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, saying, Are you ready for this? (laughs) At the end of every seven years, at the time of the year of the remission of debts, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place which he will choose, You shall read this law in front of all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, the men, the women, the children, and the alien who is within your town, so that they may hear and learn and fear the Lord your God. And be careful to observe all the words of this law. Their children, who have not known, will hear and learn to fear the Lord our God, as long as you live on the land which you're about to cross the Jordan to possess. Every seven years at the Feast of Tabernacles, we read the law, we read the teaching of Moses, specifically the book of Deuteronomy, to all the people. Last year, we had the reading of the law. We had the complete reading of the law. In Israel, there at the hotel last year at Sukkot, they did that. All the leaders came, they took turns, and they read the law. Why do you think Moses, as the last exhortation, the last thing that he would share with us, would say, hey guys, this is my last thing I got for you. By the way, keep the feast of tabernacle. Of all the commandments to choose, keep the feast of tabernacles. And by the way, every seven years, read these commandments to the people and tell them to be very careful to observe all of them. So my word to you as a Torah teacher is, you need to plan on participating in the Feast of the Lord. In particular, in these days, you need to plan on participating in the Feast of Tabernacles where you can come and you can hear Moses talk so that you can receive the prophecies and the instructions to understand what is getting ready to happen to the last generation. I've enjoyed teaching this series with you about the fall holidays. I pray that it has been a blessing to you, and I wanna encourage you greatly. If you're not planning on going to the Feast of Tabernacles right now this year, plan on it for next year, and make it a part of your future plan. To observe the feast in the meantime if you'd like to learn more about the feast of the tabernacles you'd like to learn more about the greater exodus that is to come that's prophesied to come final and ministries has a host of materials available for you they range from the program called the final redemption of israel to a book i've written called the greater exodus and we have a whole host of other teachings having to do with all of the different holidays Thank you for being part of this broadcast and allowing me to come in your home and share with you. Shabbat Shalom to all of you, my friends.